Welcome, everyone, to another week with your host, Mordechai Weinberger, and we have Rav Nissen with us on the line as well. We're doing a little bit of a different program due to the major weather that we have coming as I am broadcasting from my home. We have Rav Nissen in the studio with us, and we will see the amount of time that this program will go on. Right now, it's scheduled to go till about 9, 9.30, depending on the weather conditions. We are here to go ahead and answer any of your questions in the mental health field, of course, that it should be appropriate for families and for, of course, the from house. So we would like to go ahead and take any of your questions or comments. The number to call in is 718-683-5858, for your questions or comments you've got. We've got several people on the line. Harav Nissen, who do we have on? Mrs. K, you're on the air with Maya and Nissen. Hi. Hi. Hello. Yes. Hi, how are you? First Baruch of all, thank Hashem, you so fantastic. much for your phone line. I look forward to every Monday. Yeah. And I, yeah. Um, I was just wondering, I'm a teacher. I teach like 12, 13-year-old girls. And... Um, this question came out when I listened to you the other week about a question that a woman from, I think, England called in about her daughter, that she's struggling with, like, um, you know, carelessness and not caring about anything. And the yeah. answer I got was, like, that I was listening to was something like, she's the healthy one and the mother should be working on herself. I was just well, wondering. Hold on, and hold, the on, hold, on hold on, hold on, hold on. I, I think it's very difficult equating different stories. Did you hear the symptoms of what the lady was saying? What was her issues? Yeah, she was saying that that she's trying to work on herself, and no, therefore she, she doesn't like she me. Saying she's a perfectionist. Yeah. She is saying her kids are studying, her kids are doing things, and not just doing it as fast as she would like. I'm, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I just can't hear you. Let me just make my volume a little louder. I don't think it's a volume. I think it's your child in the background. <laughs> child in the background. Okay, let me get rid of it. Yeah, we're all hearing your child in the background. Okay. Um, so what were you saying? Let's not equate your question to that person's question, all right? Let's ask your question without equating it to anyone else. Can you re-ask your question? Okay. That was so a basically very specific I, I, information you know, have for a, a very specific that... parent. I'm sorry? Re at, rephrase your question. Just or repeat your question without regarding that that parent that asked last time. Okay. okay. Just repeat no, your my question. My question came up because of that, so I don't know. Good. So you can... could still ask your question, but don't ask in a reference to that parent. Right. That was a very different. My focus of that parent was that once you're a perfectionist, and the children are successful in school, successful all over, and listening. Just not having her high expectations, that was the point of my question, of my mm -hmm. addressing the issue. She didn't have an issue about them. She had an issue that they're not on her level of tension or her expectation that I felt from what I heard that she has whatever it is. We're not here to talk for other people and they're not on the air. It was their specific question to them. I heard mm -hmm. a lot more as a therapist than maybe an other person might have heard. Mm -hmm. Okay, so my so question now, is that... You, yes, that's your question. So this girl is like, she really doesn't care about anything, and we're trying to work on it, and, you know, she's... Now let's ask you a question. You have a 12, 13-year-old daughter that doesn't care about anything. How is she in school? I'm sorry, what do you say? Does she study? Does she do well no, it's not school? my... It's a, it's a student that I'm talking about. A student. Does she study for school? Yes. 
does she do well? Yes, she's the right kid, so she does well, not because... Okay, so now when you notice your words, she doesn't care about anything. Sounds like she cares about studies. Yeah, she does. She does. She does. Oh, so it's not anything anymore. It's not nothing. Right. Can you give me specific areas where you feel, I'm sorry for me just being this way, I just want you to recognize that when people call me up and my clients always tell me that they get, not always, but many times get annoyed when they tell me something, I say, please give me details. It's specifically for the way you phrase the question. So when I would just hear there's a student, 12, 13 years old, that doesn't care about anything, my assumption is doesn't study, doesn't listen to the kids, to the teachers, doesn't behave in class, doesn't eat nicely, fights with all the girls, gets 20s on her marks, fights at home, and now you have a problem. Now, the minute I ask you how she's doing with grades, she's doing okay. Right. Now, so my yeah. next thing was going to be to say that she doesn't care about a lot of things, but she's, but she's doing well in many areas. Ah, now, notice, I, I have no idea what that means. Please give me details. Okay, so she, she, she does well. She has friends. She, mm-hmm. The teachers like her. She's, you know, she's very confident. She's very, um, she's very cute. She's, she's, she's a good girl. She's just very, very, very careless. I don't know what careless means now. Define careless weird. meaning Give like she doesn't. Um, she's careless. She doesn't care how her papers look. She doesn't care how um, anything around her looks. She doesn't care how her seat is placed. She doesn't really care. Um, now she doesn't care how her papers look. Does that mean that she isn't a perfectionist in her writing skills, but things are organized? Does she know how to find her mess? <laughs> Does she know how to find what? Does she know how to find her mess? You know, there are some people that have a room that is so messy, but they know exactly where everything is in that room? Mm, no, she doesn't. So if she has to find a paper, she has no idea where that paper is? No idea. And she'll tell me, okay. like, every That's single day. That's now one that she... detail that I hear. Okay. Now, you said she doesn't care how her chair is placed. Explain it to me. Is her chair facing the back of the room, like the opposite direction? No, but if she wants to look out the window, which is right next to her, she'll place... She'll turn around her entire seat and look out the window. Like, she, she doesn't place that she's in a classroom setting where things have to be different than what you can do at home or in different places. Uh-huh. Okay, fine. That's the second point that I heard. She doesn't, she wouldn't care if she's like, I feel like she's a little bit losing out from it because, like, she never has her pens, she never has her papers. So, like, if I'm going to tell them, pair out with a partner and take out a red pen, so she's never going to have. So the kids sort of don't want to even be a partner because they know that this kid, they always have to help and always have to give. Okay. Now, two questions. And don't take it personal to me asking you this question. How many years are you a teacher? Four. Four. Okay, very good. How many students have you seen like this in your experience teaching? Two. She actually was my student two years in fourth grade and now again. So okay. she's my second her. one that I've been... Good. We'll deal with her in a minute. Before her, how many other students did you see like that? Um, I've had some with things of her, but I've never had such an such a you know such a case, such an extreme case. Uh huh. I just I don't mind. I'm not such a perfectionist that cares if she doesn't have a no, paper. No, we'll get there in a second. We'll get there in a second. We'll talk about her in a second. Um, okay. And one other question: What do you know about her family? Her family background. And be aware that you are on air, many people here. So I don't know if someone will recognize your voice and will recognize the school or the girls. So just keep it very, very safe and very general. Um, 
they sound very nice. They, I mean, I don't really know. I mean, are they too organized? Much, but I are do they know. On time? Do they put? Are they put together? I've actually taught her sister a different year, and she's she was probably the extreme opposite. So it's not like I can say. Okay. I see it in the family. Okay. So what? What? Let me just share with you what are my concerns that you need to be aware of, and if they're not, then you can do on and work on behavioral. What that means is as follows. We want to find out if there are any stressors at home because when children, when there's a lot of stress, either in school or at home, the mind like can be scattered, like it's hard to focus. When there's stress, it's hard to be detailed. When you're calmer, you're able to be detailed unless it's more your nature. Step one. Step two to be aware of, the Rabbi Shlem's created so many different natures in children, in humans, I should say, in people. One or a few of the natures are carefree nature. They're a playful energy, different type natures. They're enjoyable. They're not worried about the details. They're not worried about, I got to sit straight now for the next hour straight. And if there's something so interesting outside, they have the freedom to experiment, the freedom to look around. These are the 60, 70-year young people that when they're 70 years, they're still young. They're still going to places. They're still alive. And their Rebbe gave it to them as a present. And it's an amazing present sometimes to remind us how young we can be on the inside. And these natures will have a bit of a harder time conforming to the rigid system of a school system. And it doesn't mean that they are a problem. It just means they're not so worried about the pen, so they'll ask someone for a pen. Big deal. But they'll smile more. They'll laugh. They'll be creative. They'll make the funny faces. They'll be a play, a skit. They'll be friends getting together, and they will be louder, and they will be the life of the party. Is she such a girl? I'm asking now. Um, yes, she does have a lot of those names. Yeah. That's right. So let's recognize she might just have the most amazing talent that unfortunately... So many of our children, young children, are acting like old people, worried and concerned and afraid instead of feeling young. You know the amount of times I see teenagers coming into my office and I'm going, what have we done to this generation sometimes that they're so trapped? They're not being kids. They're not feeling free. They're feeling this pressure. Now, at the same time, you've got a concern that for her to be successful in this generation or in this class or that friends should like her, she can't be that scattered as well. She can't be missing her pens, like you said, because then the friends will be having issues that they won't want to be her study partner. Correct? Mm -hmm. So one of the steps to do is if you can individualize it and speak to her ahead of time, ahead of class, and say, let's try to make a little list. I will help you. Are you willing to spend an extra five minutes before class? If you spend probably two weeks, five minutes, not more, five minutes before class, and tell us, let me go, let me help you with your loose leaf. Let me show you how to put it in or in in organizational style. Put this there. Take that paper. Put it there. Once you might set up the structure, it might just take once and two weeks just for you to follow up with her. Or you can tell her, you don't have any pens in your briefcase. I want to, I'll check, and I'll just ask you, do you have any pens? Or get some pens, or I could send you a little note to your mother that, like, please, you know, make sure she's got a pack of pens, or remind you to get a pack of pens. Remember, 12, 13-year-olds don't need to always ask their mother anymore. They could just find around the house, or if they need it, you can do that. Sometimes just a little help. 
a little personal touch to it. Mm-hmm. Does that make sense to you? Yes, it does. I did. I actually spoke to her several times. Uh-huh. So, and what happened? I can't say anything. I'm not saying maybe she had her pen that time and her Lucy paper the other time, but but that, that it lasted for a day. You know, I, I called her out and I show her. I explain. She gave in like a right, but not. Hold on. Let's also clarify. You call her out. You or you ask her to come early to class, so you do it ahead of time. Because not not after class, not when girls are there, not when she might be embarrassed. So tell her come five minutes early to class, and we'll just do a quick review. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my my question is also she's not. I, I don't really care about it. I mean, I I like such students. I like when they, you know, some girls I like that, and and I always explain to them that they all learn differently, and some girls learn better this way, and some girls learn better the other way. But my problem is, I'm just wondering if it's my concern. I, I'm supposed to be worried about her losing out socially. What I'm seeing. Well, why do you think she's class? losing out socially? Hmm? Why do okay. you think she's losing out socially? Because, like the example that I gave before, I just had it. I told them to take out. I, I don't even know what it was, and I saw the girl next to her turning around the other way and like not wanting to see her because she knew that something is coming. Like I'll have to give you something, and I don't want to give you. Now, did it happen once, or did it happen many times? Many times. Okay, then if it's many times, now you sit down with that girl and you start telling her, or you ask that girl. See, I'm a big believer in open communication. So first, the assumption, I would first have you speak to that girl one-on-one and say, I made this assumption. When I asked the girl something, did you turn away because she always asks you for something? And if the girl says yes, or the girl might say no, who knows what's going on? If the girl says yes, then you can either do two things. You can tell her, oh, then let's practice with you learning to say no. Sometimes to tell her, no, right now I don't want to lend it, which she's allowed to do. Not in a bad way, to say in a nice way. Oh, I'd really mm-hmm. like to lend you, but I lent it to you already yesterday and two days ago. So now ask someone else. Step one, which is, again, very controversial how to do, because sometimes you might hurt the girl's feelings. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, it's also start, sometimes I'm a big believer in teaching that natural repercussions, that there's a price to everything in life. But, again, my focus is more not you telling it to her once. You're telling it to her for two weeks in a row. Notice the difference. You're telling her tomorrow, come five minutes early. Let's set up your briefcase. Let's set up your pens. The next day, how long do you think he'll tell you to ask her? Just let's, let's look at your notebook. Let's get it organized. Where's your homework paper? Put it over here. Maybe she just needs someone to guide her and just to show her how to organize it. Two weeks in a row and everything can be settled. People need mm-hmm. different teaching skills, different natures need, need skills to master. This might be what she needs to master. Just someone to show her two weeks know her how to organize, and you might find that after three or four days, she got it. All right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. All Thank right. Thank you so much. Thank you for calling in. Yeah. We are going to go to our next caller, of Nissen. Mrs. S., you're on the Mordechai and Nissen. Hi. Yeah. Um, first of all, I wanted to thank you for your for your weekly show. It's really it's it gives a lot of chizuk, and it's, it's very, it's always encouraging. It's nice to hear. Ah, thank you. Okay, I wanted to ask you, I have a son. He's, he's four years old, and he has, like with food, he has, like he's very, he's very particular with his food. So my question is, am I supposed to be encouraging him to eat more, which doesn't always work, or should I just be letting go 
and like not push him too much and like just be more like natural with it. Let me ask you, which child is this of yours? Which number? So he's my he's my third. Wow. Yeah. All right. So as we know, we have over here a very long-standing process or uh, I wonder what's the word now, a long-standing policy, sort of we don't really address questions to kids under the age of eight, nine years old. Oh, okay. Specifically for the like reason new, I'm, because, a little, I'm a little new what? for the show. Right. These, many of these questions are just classical parenting. When we start getting them, almost every question is the, my same response. This is like a classical parenting you know, information, and it's skills-based. Mm-hmm. So all I will tell you okay. is that it's so young that I would need more. There's a lot more to this question. So mm-hmm. do you have any other question you would like to ask? I'll have to think of it. <laughs> okay. Okay, thank, so thank you. Thank you for calling in and for holding. And I'm sorry. Okay, take care. Excellent. Sure. You're welcome. All right, Harav Nissen, who else do we have on the line? Say that one more time, who? Yaakov. Yaakov, you're on the air with Mordechai. And Harav Nissen. Hi, how are you tonight? It's cold winter nights. Actually, Baruch Hashem, very warm. You know, there's a huge mazel tov in our family. Tonight, my first cousin is getting married, and unfortunately, I'm not at the wedding. It's in Muncie. Ephraim and Ava Zucker are getting married tonight from Flatbush and from Muncie, and the wedding is in Muncie. And, you know, with all that. So, to me, it's not that it's such a cold night. I personally love the snow. I don't know if I enjoy a blizzard. It sort of wakens me, and I'm alive with it. I love the nature, I love the power, but I am sad. To me, it is a cold night that I was sort of just getting pictures and like little video clips of the wedding. But Baruch Hashem, uh-huh. a wedding goes on and another bias in Klal is being built. So it's a again. My question is, um, I know someone has classic ADD and ADHD and such, all those stuff, and went to doctors, they diagnosed him, and they gave him different medications. Um, many of the medications has a lot of side effects, and he went to the doctor for the past like two, three years, and you know, trying this, trying that. The question is, is there any alternative, like, besides taking medications to cure, to help out ADD, ADHD uh, people? Okay, that's a very, very, very difficult question. Um, why? Why is that so well, Very simple. It's a very difficult question. Let me clarify why. There are certain diagnoses which you can do more with therapy and less with medication, certain diagnoses which is needing more medication and not so much therapy. Just to give an example, certain levels of depression, the first state, certain levels of anxiety, the first stages, don't, you, don't jump to ther- you don't jump to medication at all. Therapy works, svarim works. There are so many systems that work for that, and you definitely don't jump to therapy. Certain diagnoses, you take the medication and you don't even think about therapy until the medication comes in, kicks in. Like someone that's real bipolar, not what people say bipolar, but real on a medical level bipolar, someone schizophrenic. There you don't do therapy, you don't waste on anything that I call a waste. It means vitamins, natural stuff, talk therapy, anything you want will not work on those two cases. From all my experience and from anyone that I know of, at least that's reputable, that will say that they healed or they balanced bipolar without medication or schizophrenia without medication, and only after that's balanced, then do we do therapy. 
Now, I'm okay. talking about real bipolar, not where someone's a little bit high and people, you know, the unprofessionals call it bipolar. I'm talking about clinically bipolar. So now, ADD, the, from when it's real ADD, and again, here's what we need to clarify. Sometimes people get diagnosed ADD or ADHD, and the issue is that there are several diagnoses that look like ADHD. Anxiety is one of those. Anxiety and no, ADHD. No, he went, no, he went to the top doctor in, in New York. I mean, he's known out there. I'm not going to say his name, but I know... He wants to mention him, and he's very, he's like one of the top doctors in, in New York. I mean, he's known okay. pretty famous. So this so, guy was diagnosed I, with ADHD. Was he also diagnosed with any secondary diagnosis, like anxiety? No. So I know some people that were, that were diagnosed with ADHD, and the medications weren't working that well. And then we added on a little just to see if there is an anxiety component, and then together those two worked like unbelievable. No, this guy so only, only ADHD. Okay. So let's go with your assumption that he's ADHD, the medication works, but there are side effects. So now, unfortunately, I'm using the words, we can't use medication as a, as a method to, to help, correct? So let me explain well, I missed to you. That. What did you say? Right, I'm saying I'm just repeating your question. Oh, yeah. There is, he's diagnosed with ADHD, medication is not working, or medication is working, but it has side effects. So he does not want to continue. Now you want to know right. what other options are there. Like, yeah, like, you know, like, like therapists or, like, anything you could do. Like, so I will explain to you the one system that usually the type of therapy, one, when someone that's ADHD and they go with therapy and they're on medication and they're mostly stable, what, you, what type of therapy that we use? And let me just, for all those listening, just to give a little bit of maybe for you a little bit of information how I explain ADHD. For those of you that hear it, know I say this all the time, but still for informational-wise and for your question. ADHD means that if the speed limit is, is on the highway, 55 or 65 miles per hour, depending on how severe and how strong ADHD is, but their brain flies. means they could be going 95 miles per hour, 120 miles per hour, depending on how severe it is. And what happens is they have all the ideas, but try to drive through a small little street block and make sharp turns when you're going 120 miles per hour, will you be successful? No. No. What will happen? You're going to be crashing into other cars. You're going to be so focused on not hitting cars, you're not going to be getting all the other information going around. At the same time, when you're going 120 miles per hour, the speed limit's 35 or 45 in, on the inner cities, or now it was lowered to 25, they're going to find life so boring and so painful. So besides with the medication trying to regulate the speed in the brain, the therapy that we do along with it is these people need to look at themselves and they need to say on a list of paper, I need to accomplish these five tasks first and in this order, structure. ADD people or ADHD people cannot stand structure. I have self-diagnosed myself with ADD. And that means if any one of the clients that sit in my office know that I have a little piece of paper besides for I have like in my task bars of order of one, two, three, four, five that I must accomplish. There are usually 25 things I want to accomplish a day. I usually do five or six of them. But I must prioritize them. If I don't write it down, at the end of the day I realize, oy vey, I didn't do any of the stuff that I wanted and I dealt with issues as they came up, but not in the priority that I needed to do that. And that takes a lot of grounding. That takes about saying when, you're, when your emotions are grabbing, I want to do this, and I want to do that, and I want to do something else. No, you've got to ground yourself. You've got to say, this is list number one, this is list number two. 
but the ADHD person must be willing to ground them. And to them, it's the most greatest torture to do that. The amount of times when I got to say, now I cannot do this project, I must do another project first, it's almost torture. So now my question to you is, is that ADHD person willing to work very hard and to understand that they need to slow down their brain when their brain is really moving faster? They're really driving on 90 miles per hour and the speed limit is 55. They need to realize that they need to slow down. They might have all the information in the world. They might be smarter than most people, but you will find that they're so smart, but yet they can't get up in the morning. They know what to tell everyone. They've got all the right advice, but yet they themselves will not act on it. Their difficulty is acting. Their difficulty is driving 90 miles per hour in a 35-mile speed limit. It's very difficult. All those cars are around. They're honking everyone. They're blaming everyone. Don't you see you could have cut that light on yellow? And the average mind thinks, it's yellow. Why do I have to rush through a yellow? Yellow means slow down. doesn't mean speed up. So my question to you now, is that ADHD person willing to work on themselves? Yes, he is. Great. So then let them realize that what they need is a very behavioral tool. They need to be aware, and sometimes say, slow down. I, can, I will make a list of 15 things to do today. Do not expect to do more than five. But those five accomplish. Mm-hmm. And, they, and that might work even without taking any, any medication. So you're asking me to sort of, if someone's got a strep throat, and do, can they do it without medication? Can they do it with vitamins? I don't know how severe it is. I don't know uh-huh. if it's mm-hmm. major strep that some of these people even need a hospital for strep that people don't know about. That question I cannot answer. Now, I mean, I can now, tell you now, that when they are yeah. on medication, that is still the therapy that we do. Even with the medication, when we slow down, the, where their mind slows down from 90 or 120 miles per hour to 65 or to 75, they still need to ground themselves. When their mind starts flying, we need to, they need to learn how to ground it. Now, we'll let mm-hmm. this person tell you if they're able to do it without medication or not. Mm-hmm. Now, one more thing, because I know one doctor said that he has to have it only for a few years. Other doctor, he went to someone else, and he's he, not such a, you know, not so famous. And he said that people that have ADD have to be on medication for life. Why are so, we worried well, about life and for years if we're worse, first worried about the present time? I always, when people start with these huge issues of life, I always tell them, I'm worried. I'm, my main focus is first let's get the person successful. First let's get the situation balanced. Let's do it for a year of a stable life. Remember, these ADHD people are wonderful, creative people. But they speak too much. They're not grounded. They don't complete tasks. They mix into conversations. They're upset at the world. They get disappointed when things don't happen as quick. They're very focused on righteousness, and they're upset at so many people that aren't doing life the way they expect. Let's first get this guy stable a year, and then we'll worry about the year, life, uh, three years, and all that stuff. Uh, okay, John. Thank you very much. Friend. I'm like a very, sometimes very pragmatic, very down to earth right now, here and now. What's my job? Let's get this guy stable. Medication isn't working. We need a tool for now, and we're already worried about what will be a couple of years from now. Let's get him stable. Let's get him successful. Once we got that, then we'll worry about how long. Okay. Thank you very much. And uh, my pleasure. Rabbi Yaakov Hatzlacha. Be well. Harav Nissim. Who else do we have? Who do we have next? Mrs. S, you're on. Hi, Mordechai. Yes. Hello? Yes, you're on. 
Hi. Um, good evening. Um, good first of all, thank you so much for your shows. I really enjoy them. I find them very enlightening and entertaining as well. Oh, thank you. That is um, nice to hear. I have a question for you. Um, I hope you'll be able to answer me because I've been struggling with this for quite a while. Let's start um, with the Shmaya then. Let's hope Hashem will give me the right, the right information. Um, I have an eight-year-old son that has ADHD. Now, he's on medication, and it's working amazingly. He's a different child. The house is a different house. It's, it's working really well. Now, there's one aspect which I know is part of ADHD, but I'm wondering if I can help him get out of it, which, you know, obviously medication can only help to a certain extent. Um, he's always right. Whenever there's a situation which involves him, he is always right. Um, whether it's in class that um, the rabbi said he was making a noise, it was really his neighbor and the boy behind him and the boy in front of him, or at home, it, you know, if, if the, the kids are cleaning up together, there'll always be a reason why he doesn't need to tidy or he can get out of it. And there'll always be something why, you know, he's just right. So let's stop one um, second over here and take your issue and separate it from ADHD. That's not ADHD. That is not yeah, tell you why I'm saying that it's, it's got to do with ADHD, because actually we spoke to his, the child psycho, um, psychiatrist that we go to. Yeah. And he told, we, just recently we discussed that point, me and my husband discussed that point with him, and he said that that is part of ADHD. Okay, so let me clarify. What right. ADHD means is, again, as we just had with the last caller, that they see more, they're aware of more, and therefore, many times, they don't see their mistakes because they're going 120 miles per hour. And instead of saying, we're driving too fast, they feel this is normal. They think the rest of the world is going too slow. But right. once the medication starts kicking in, usually they're now going to see everything the regular speed. Now, there are secondary issues, which is yeah. sometimes the tight source, of what happens when someone's got ADHD or when someone has pain for a while, they're not able to see themselves. That's now a separate issue. It means if the medication has balanced the ADHD, 80, yeah. 90%, then yeah. his not seeing his problem should have also, been, or his fault or his component of the problem should have also improved by 80%. It has. It has by what percentage? That, yeah, okay. I'm asking, by what percentage? Let's say, what percentage has his hyperactivity or his issues been clarified by the medication since he's taking it? Uh, um, 90%. Um, okay. Well, different aspects, but I would say the hyperactivity and the complete, almost manic, but not quite, just because yes. that's a bit extreme, um, is completely gone in that sense. Great. But now... You know, this percentage of not seeing yeah. his chesroinus or his component to it, how much was that of that was taken care of? That, I mean, the point that I'm talking about. Yes. Well, mm, Would you say 10%, sure. 20%? Um, maybe 20%. Okay. So that is exactly why what I understood from when you asked the question and the level that he doesn't see his chesarin is why I would like to separate the two. So yes, people that are ADHD 
do not see their problems, but that's usually because they're so fast. Once we slow it down, they're able to see more of the world. So a car that slows down to 20 miles per hour, the person now could take over their eyes from the road because they're not speeding, and now they could see, wow, look at the beautiful tree on the right side. Look at the beautiful house on the left. Look at the beautiful mountain scenery that's coming up. If their mind does not slow down with the medication, it's telling us that they are also a secondary issue that needs to be worked on. And this is a much harder component to work on on adults, very hard to work on on adults, actually. That's where we call the denial that I've been having on my phone line a lot of topics going on. Once the person is literally clinically blind to seeing themselves, and I can share with you some of the tools because he's young, it's it's fairly simple to work on. And that's why I I would like personally to separate the two, his ADHD component and his inability to see his actions or his interactions with anyone else or how how his actions are affecting anyone else, cause and effect. Right. All right? So the psychiatrist is right. And, again, I am in the process of height of who's, who's right on the scale we need to be machnia to the psychiatrist and say that it is a component of ADHD. Right. However, I would still work on a different tool and see if that works out. The right. tool that I would work with your son is give several different choices, stories, and tell him fill in the rest. So you might have a, you can make up the story as it goes. Yanko was in class and uh, Chaim took his notebook. Chaim took his notebook because yesterday Yanko took his notebook. So now, who's right by taking the notebook? You want your son now to say both sides of the story. Well, yeah, he will. When it's nothing to do with him, he's so righteous, and he knows exactly who should be doing what, and what everyone should be doing. He's got no issues when it comes to other people. But as soon as he's involved, something just clicks there, and the story, he's extremely so I would still Then I would still do the same, the same issue. Well, again, I want you to recognize this is a positive because sometimes they're not able to see others or that difference. They're always only able to see themselves or one black and white viewing. If he has the ability to see both sides, it's harder to him. I want you to realize that's a positive. And now we can take that strength and now just figure out how to, yeah. how to take it to him. So you might take an example that happened today or yesterday yeah. with him, discuss it with him today as in the third person. Yankel did this to Shimon, Shimon did that to Yankel. Yeah. Then, yeah, now, and then once he says the answer, tell him, can you see both sides? And once he says yes, and he tells it to you, tell him, okay, now we think the same thing happened with you yesterday. Right. And could you just tell us both sides? And even if he says it's impossible or no, then what else we do is they do it sometimes in yeshiva, at least the uh, Magichirim talk about it. They say that certain gedolim in the last generation, they would each say it about their pshat, their view, and then they would switch. Now, each one would have to defend the other one's pshat as if right. it's their own. Right. So you might actually do, since he's eight years old and ADD, they love hands-on, actual. You could say, okay, now I'm you and you're me, and now defend the other view. Can you see it? And that might help them be grounded to see it. Right. Because it sounds like all that's needed is that little connection, that little tweak in the system to get that he has it all over just to take it to himself. Yeah, yeah. 
Okay, we'll definitely try that. Never try. Does that, that make before. sense? Do you think it would work? Yes. Think of your son, because if not, we can come up with some more tools. Um, he he enjoys such things. He's good with he's good with people and that kind of thing. You know, he he understands yeah. situations really, but somehow when it comes to himself, so maybe I think that might help him. Right, and one other component to realize that the medication usually wears off by children about seven, six, seven, eight, nine o'clock at night. Yeah, and that's yeah. when they go back to their old self. Yes, yes. <laughs> so just stay patient. Yeah. We've had a caller, I remember last year, that said, why does, he, why does he tell his children when they see that he gives the ADHD kids more time at night and when they're more wild, like to give them more room and they have more playing room or more, or more playing time yeah. than the other kids or they give them more time to get into pajamas when the other kids, the parents would get disappointed at them after five minutes and they would give this yeah. kid ten minutes. Yeah. And the answer that I explained to that parent then was, you'll tell each child we give you based on what you need and what's important to you. That's right. That's right. And yeah. this kid needs this, you need that, and if you would ever need more time, please tell us and we'll work it out. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Yes, we try to do So that. again, I just want you to realize that it's very real and very true. And the work that you're doing is excellent. So Barshan, the medication has helped 90%. He's able yeah. to be aware of all the other ones and all the other situations, which is amazing positive. So all we need to do now is just link it together. Right. And to take that information that he has out there to him. Yes. Yes. That's right. Okay, thank you very much. It you're very welcome. Thank you. Okay, thank, thank you. Thank you for calling you. in. It sounds like all the way from England, by the way. Hi, Rav Nissim. Who Mrs. else do we D. have on the line? Mrs. D. Mrs. D. Hi, Rav Nissim. Mrs. D. Mrs. D. Also, we've gotten some messages that Rav Nissim is, is texting me, forwarding to me. And for those of you asking, please, if you can, please call it in. It will be a pleasure. I know the lines are full, but still, we've always got openings. As we're taking the questions, the number to call in is 718-683-5858, 718-683-5858. And I, again, want to thank Rav Nissen and his family, his wife and family, that are permitting him to be in the studio at this late hour with all the snow going on. While we're all safely in a nice, warm place, he is still going to need to travel and do all those points. So thank you, Rav Nissen, and to your wife and for manning the lines and doing all the juggling that you're doing right now. Highly and greatly appreciated. All right, Hello. Mrs. D., you're on with Mordechai and Rav Nissen. Hello? Yes. Yeah, I just hear you very far. Just something after the phone line, seems like. Okay. Yeah, looks like that might be happening. Okay. Um, I'm calling just to tell you thank you very much. I had called you in two weeks ago with a question regarding my 10-year-old son about being uh, negative, and very low self-confidence. Yeah. And you gave me this idea of every night just going through ten good parts to himself, about yeah. himself. And we actually did it, and the results are just amazing. Oh, please, go ahead and share that. Because such a simple tool, and parents think like, oh, positive, big deal, think positive, what does it do? Or sometimes when I tell clients, let's just write it down, recognize your positive, and they go, oh, think positive, yeah, it's a nice song, but it's not real. No, it's real. Please share and give a and detail how your son. I remember how you described your son. Described every time you I gave him a compliment. No, and everything was no, and everything was nothing was good. And now share with us what he was like and what has happened in just two weeks. 
and he was everything whatever I told him when I gave him a compliment everything was like negative you don't you know you're not meaning it seriously and it's not true and and after doing this, like, for two days, he told me... Hold on. Tell us, first tell us, what did you do? Tell us what you did those first two days. I want you to realize the strengths that you've done, the different systems that you used. You might not even be aware of what a natural great mother you are, and we can have other parents aware of what they're doing, or even adults, to be aware how we can do it for ourselves. So I told him that I want him to list me ten good parts about himself, 10 good things about himself. So he said he doesn't have any. So I said, okay, I'll give five, and then you give five. And that's what did the first night, then the second night, then Hold the third on. night. Hold on, could you share us the five? Share us some of them. You don't have to remember all of them. But let's just start. Share some of them. It's important, the details. I told him that he's smart, and that he's usually very helpful, and he's very caring to his brothers, and he learns with his chavrusa very nicely. Just, you know, general, very, we didn't go into... Very, you know, Excellent. very Hold nice, on. good and things to that. What did he add on to that? What were the five or the several that he added on? He added on, let me think a minute. Just yeah, gentle. You know, I'm not, I don't mean to put you on the place. I just want parents so Yeah, and I'm just hear. thinking what he said. He was like, that he's very neat and... Um, and he said he was good looking and then... Good. He was like telling me a bunch of different things. I don't remember it offhand exactly what right. he said and what I said. But after two days, he was telling me, "Well, it's really making me strong." This excellent. How was that? So that was like amazing to hear. Yeah. And after a week, which was like we were doing it, and he was getting better, and he was getting like deeper in his thoughts. Also, he was going in much deeper levels, like about good parts of himself. Yeah. And then after a week, he gave me a compliment. He gave me a compliment, which he usually didn't do, but he gave me a very full-fledged compliment. Can you please like, tell us what the compliment was? Every parent would love to get a compliment from their children. What? Every parent would love to get a compliment from their children. What was the compliment that your son gave you? He says, Mom, you really do a lot for me and go really out of your way to help me. Wow. Which was really like, oh my, like I really didn't expect that one from him. (laughs) Yes, and that was after how long of just recognizing his 10 positives a day? Or good things that happened that day? A week. After one week, we went to that level. Beautiful. Yeah, and then we actually started doing it. I started doing it with all my kids. I decided it was such a good thing, and it's amazing with what they come up with. Yes. Yeah. So really, really, thank you very, very much. You're very welcome. But before we hang up, I am going to make the little shift to you. And forgive me for doing this. Can you make just or think of, make a list of five positives of today? And one of them will be you have created a very positive environment in the home. You've just changed around the entire focus of the house. You've just changed generations, not just making this one son calmer. If you can continue whenever is needed to focus on the positive and see the shifts in them within two weeks, you've just created generations of positive, of peacefulness, of happiness. Can you recognize that? Wow, what a schus. So what is the chances that you might actually take five positives just for tonight or let's say for one week and just look at your positives? 
Um, I'll tell you. Actually, I do that almost every day. I just say ten positives for myself. Wow. So. Wow. Amazing. That's part of my things that I do. So. Wow. Beautiful. Amazing. Thank you so much for waiting on the line and for giving us the feedback. It's okay, a thank you very much, and keep up your great work. Amen. Thank you. I appreciate that. Mrs. R, you're on the air. First of all, Arvnissa, what do you say to this? Come on, I'm involved. Just because I'm not sitting in front of you. <laughs> you know, you don't sit in front, but, uh, but the phone doesn't stop ringing. Yes, your thoughts, the questions, the callers. I like want to get you involved. I just don't know if you're answering now five things of juggling that we usually have. When I sit right in front of you, I get to know, okay, now you got a quiet moment that we can have you in. Baruch Hashem, and uh, you know, I got uh, all kind of messages all around. Baruch Hashem, I really, you know, this is one of things that give us chizuk, uh, a very, very big chizuk to Jerut Radio about uh, what what is all about, what what we are doing, and uh, we give we giving the you know the basically the basic stuff to all ourselves to ourselves, you know. Yeah. What, how, how it's working. So, Baruch Hashem, Chazdei Hashem, I see that uh, we are going, we are doing good stuff. Baruch Hashem, yes, yes. J-Root is amazing. This program and all the great programs that you have on about just taking care of ourselves that little bit, it makes such a huge change all over. Okay, so we have uh, Mrs. R online. Mrs. R, you're on yeah, with Mordechai and Nisim. Yes. Yeah, hello. hello. First, I want to thank you. Yes. Uh, in the name what's, of my husband and myself, my husband's been hooked to your line for over a year, and he's listened to every single lecture, hello. and he says he changed his life. Yeah, well, you yeah. Now I'm starting. <laughs> anyway, we have okay, a question. Mrs. I'm Mrs. talking in his name. Um, he's Mrs. tutoring a boy, a young teenage boy, that has I'm had a trauma in his life like C. two years okay. ago. Wait, I'm sorry, just one second. I'm Harv Nissen, the mic. Yeah, I'm sorry, can you just ask your question again? We're just hearing the feedback My from husband the tutors a boy, a young yeah. teenage boy that has had a trauma in his life like two years ago. He was given this job. He was told that this boy does not participate in class and he doesn't know his work. But really he sees that he's a very bright kid and very, yeah. very mature, and he wants, to, he wants very big things. But he's actually probably hurt inside that he had a trauma and he didn't overcome it. Now, yes. the parents don't think that he needs therapy or he didn't talk about yeah. therapy, actually, yet. But the question is how he can help him crawl out of it. He's upset at everyone. He doesn't have friends. Right. So here I'm going to say with... something that's not really that much like me to say, and that is let's recognize different roles. There's a huge power to a mentor, to a good friend, that they can, what a friend can do, therapists can't do. But at the same time, that's the power of mentoring. There's a power of group therapy that has a huge power that individual counseling one-on-one can't do. On the other hand, if someone went through a huge trauma, let's not assume that a mentor can help that. So if someone needs a, a cast, we might be able to give the person chizik, but you still won't know how to give a cast. Mm-hmm. So a therapist, I could be a great therapist, but I won't know how to do open-heart surgery. A surgeon might not know how to deal with a deep trauma to the subconscious. I'm talking about a heart, a heart surgeon. Right. Your question is, a kid has gone through trauma, you know he's gone through trauma, the people, the parents are not recognizing or don't want to acknowledge that he's gone through trauma or just don't know what trauma means, 
Or they might have gone through so much trauma in their life that they don't even view this as trauma. They consider this as normal, and they might never have been healed from their pains that they've gone through. And now you want to know how I can help, how I can guide your husband to deal with trauma. Right. Ha! Well, you can just guide me over the phone how to do open-heart surgery. I will then attempt to maybe guide you how to heal trauma. Without so you really knowing need the situation, therapy, without ever right? seeing the kid, without knowing your husband's skill, without knowing what your husband has gone through, without knowing your husband's strength or ability to speak to the parents, without any of that. Uh-huh. You got it? Let's recognize trauma is real stuff. Mm-hmm. People are affected for life. People, unfortunately, can affect generations when we have trauma and we don't heal it. Right, you know how so people are afraid of the snow, petrified because someone once slipped? and no one came to help them, and they get nervous over the word snow and storms and power outages. Oh, my gosh, the fears that people have. And it's generational. Mm-hmm. So really, he's not <laughs> meant to do that job. Right, and in fact, I even want to, il- I even want to not illustrate, I want to focus on telling him, not only it's not his job, he can do damage doing that job. If he uh-huh. opens up the trauma and does not know how to close it, it can make it worse. Mm-hmm. There's sometimes a saying way back when, now I don't have the time, but like I used to really, like the last couple of years I haven't been able to, but I used to like answer just like a lot of like people's questions, or someone's learning with Bachar, and I would do that, and someone would tell me like in Yiddish, I opened up this Bachar, I got him to talk to me. And I asked him, did you also close him up before you put him back, before you set him out? So many of my clients know, and there's like the last 15 minutes of the session, they say something, I go, whoa, you just left over here a huge bombshell. I won't be able to open this and close this in 15 minutes. We might need even need four or five sessions for it, and I'll open it a little and close a little just to create the awareness to know what's happening, the anesthesia, so we can go through the process. Your husband doesn't even know what to look for or to realize he's just opening up a huge artery which can explode. Uh-huh. So what can he do? Like you should just Get a uh, therapist involved. Or tell the school, this needs therapy. This is major trauma. I can do encouragement. I could do mentoring. I could give him chizik. But where you need a surgeon, I mean, that's the same question. What would you tell someone when, they have, when they've got a heart condition the family doesn't want to go, the person doesn't want to go to a doctor, to a cardiologist, what will you tell the person? Mm-hmm. You'll tell them, I could speak to you, I can teach to you, I could teach you nutrition, but you've got three valves that are clogged, you need something. You need a specialist, if it's a bypass, if it's a, a stent or whatever it should be that you need, or the balloon, whatever is needed, but you need someone that has experience with the heart. Right. I get it. Let's recognize the emotional health is not simple. Mm-hmm. It's very complicated, and it is a world of its own. And it's a mumcha that it takes as well, besides for knowing what you're doing, it also takes a talent to see after the Shmaya. And I uh-huh. hear people many times come to my office, or people just call up and they say they've gone for years to years to therapists, and they weren't successful, and part of it is because many times they weren't licensed. If they were licensed, they weren't an expert in that field. Uh-huh. You really have to know what you're doing. Oh, you bet. And you can make it worse. If it's trauma involved and you don't know what you're doing, you can damage by going into that trauma. Uh-huh. You can re-traumatize the victim. Mm-hmm. Okay, and, I get it. I also have another question. Hold on. And as, and as, as 
as, and as Harav Nissen is saying, who even says this boy has trauma? We don't know what's going on. Do you know what happened? Yes. And do you um, know it's real trauma? Uh, yes. Okay. There was actually a separation in the family, and he was, like, <laughs> in it, and it was like he okay. lived through it together. With All right. Yep, that definitely can constitute as trauma. Uh, let's do it quickly because we've got so many people on the line. So let's hear one more quick question. Um, my other question is my first grade daughter had to decorate a, like a sheet for school. They have a, a billboard. And just every be time aware, before you go, I might just tell you this is a classical parenting question. That's why we don't take questions under the age of eight. So just be aware I might give that answer. Okay. And that will be that. Yeah, she had to decorate something that will be posted in her classroom. And every week a different girl has a chance. Now she did it herself. And it looks like a six-year-old did it. Someone, a friend of mine, she wanted to do it, which was very enthusiastic, and she was so excited. A friend of mine told me, like, you let her do it to herself. I said, yeah, sure. She thought that I have to do it because every single day when she'll look at it, she'll feel very bad because most mothers help their kids, and, of course, the things are a lot nicer. And every time when she'll look at it, she'll feel bad. Like wow. Well, first, what will you, what would you diagnose your friend with? <laughs> She doesn't have children this age yet, and she, I don't know. I guess she had an experience when she was a kid. What would you say about your friend? Perfectionist. Um, Not really, no. Really? Your friend isn't a perfectionist? No, I don't think so. Well, I've heard about five points in that story where your friend's a perfectionist. Number one. Your daughter will look at it and will say it's not as good as others. That's a perfectionist. A six-year-old doesn't think in those terms. Number two, a mother should have helped her daughter like the other mothers helped the daughter. Number three, she's telling you you've done a mistake. It's wrong. Only a perfectionist would look at what you did as wrong instead of seeing maybe there are several sides. Maybe it's excellent that you're letting your girl have experience. Number four, there isn't... Um, she's not building you up how good it was. In other words, to every action that we do, there's a positive and a negative. She wasn't able to give you a positive in your actions, which again states, states perfectionism, only sees the one side, the tunnel vision. Mm-hmm. And last but not least, she actually saying it's not nice. <laughs> yeah. Maybe it's gorgeous. She didn't see My it. My four-year-old <laughs> gave me the most ugliest, mishkebobbled purple color with blue, and we just played now tonight, matching of the olive base. She's learning up to Eishof, and we do olive and olive, and olive has an esrig and all that, and she tells me, Tati, this is the nicest paint, isn't this the nicest picture you ever saw, whatever she used? And I go, it's stunning, and she goes, that's right. <laughs> to your six-year-old, it might be a Picasso. No, it might be the most magnificent picture she's ever made or seen in her entire life. I don't think it's now. That, you um, don't think your friend is a perfectionist? Maybe she's in the inside, not outside. I don't see it. Okay, so on the inside, that comment generally would get. Now I can't say that just from one comment. That in itself could be a perfectionist of what I'm saying, but definitely has a major um, red red flags going up in my mind. And oh, because I know in my circles, most of the mothers or older sisters do the work for the little kids. They don't do the all these projects, so therefore most girls bring things that are beyond what they can really do themselves. And for six-year-old kids, for her it was beautiful, but in the end she realized that most of the kids are nicer. In the end she told me that 
Like there's something missing. Right. Well, we're not only going now we're getting into that parenting question I'm not going to uh-huh. take. <laughs> uh, really, I should encourage her to, if she wants to do it herself, to let her do it, right? Really, you should be asking the question as follows. I, this way we take it to an adult, I've done an action with my daughter, and I'm, un, I'm unsure if I've done correctly. Take it to you, and we can address the question. Uh-huh. <laughs> okay. Are you willing to take it to you? Yes. Then take it to you. Re, re, rephrase your question. Yes, I've let her do it herself, and I wonder if that was right, if I should have no, helped her. No, now you're wondering it. if that was right. That's too gentle. Come on, be harder on yourself. I'm walking around with guilt, and I question myself. I didn't damage my daughter. Come on. And my friend even voiced the inner doubts that I was having. Come on. Be a little tough. I don't feel I damaged her, but maybe she'll be disappointed. She was so overly enthusiastic, and now she'll, like, a down... um, She thought she'll make something beautiful in the next few weeks to look at it, and she might see that it's not what she So now let us reassure you. And this is what we're assuring you. How can you allow yourself to learn from this experience? What do you mean? What have you learned from this experience? Maybe I should be more assertive and tell my daughter, wait till I'll help you. Or <laughs> Good. I don't know what. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. What else can you say you've learned from this from this experience? I don't know. How about that if the people in the generation, if people are helping out more, then that's what you're going to do? Uh-huh. I should consider huh? that. Yeah, which means if that's what people do, they have to help that. How about that you can teach your daughter? Let's learn from this. She's not disappointed right now. It doesn't seem so. She liked uh-huh. it at the school. And she was happy and she came home. And that's it. So she's not traumatized. Now let's take it to you. How can I have that my daughter does something, and it's okay, but I'm the one that's stuck with it. She didn't do well, she's okay, and I'm the one stuck with it. I don't know if she's really okay, because in other areas oh, she's struggling right. to... Now, here you go. You see why, now, not in a negative way, just to understand why I don't like taking questions under the age of 8 to 10. Because you're not taking the question to you. If you would call up originally saying, I have a stress, me, we wouldn't be playing now back and forth, because your daughter, it is her, I not her. You're going back and forth. If the person asking about themselves, it's much easier to work on. This is already therapy. Therapy is to have you open up your eyes to recognize what's your issue. That's three, four sessions right there, playing back and forth. It is her issue. It's my issue. It's my daughter's issue. It's my issue. Now, I'm not saying it's your issue. I just need you to realize why. Part of, one of the reasons why we don't take questions when it's about others and not about themselves. Uh-huh. Make sense? Yes. At least you understand it. Yes. Great. Thank you. Arav Nissen, who is okay, next? Thank you so much. Sure. And you're welcome. Oh, I apologize if I'm just a little bit too assertive Mrs. on you. Just, y. I want you just to direct. Sorry, say that again? Mrs. Y. Mrs. Y. Hello? And can I read you the message that your kid sent, Arav Nissen? Yes. 
All right. I'd like everyone to listen to this message. I think it's one of the most touching messages for me. Funny, it's not letting me go up now. Let's see if I can go up this way. Ooh, can you resend it, please? And I'd like for people to recognize I deal with so much dysfunction. I deal with people that are always saying that this is good, this isn't good. Parents are close to children. They're not. They connect. They don't. Harav Nitsen's children sent him a message. I'm not able to scroll up, and I don't know why. Uh, here we go. Abba, please wrap up the program and come home safely. So he asked them, if we go to 915, is that okay? The kids responded, yes. Can we recognize this beauty, how kids see that a father is giving himself away, and they're worried for his safety, and they could just ask him open, please come home? I was touched when I read this. It's so beautiful to have children say, please come home. We want you here safely. And, of course, the answer is, we will finish. We will wrap this up at 9.15, in about 10 minutes or so, or 15 minutes. But the beauty, and we would like us all to be to have children, that they will feel so open to be able to tell us we're concerned, we're worried, we're happy, we're excited, and to have an open relationship. And Ashrecha Nisim, you've done, you've done something amazing. Can I ask you, what did you do that your children feel so open to send you such a message that they're worried about you? They see outside and it's snowing. It's not me, it's my wife. Ah, I, I, I'm, we'll, we'll give your wife credit too, and now let's take it to you. <laughs> it's really, it's not my, you know, we're trying to be as open with the kids and just, you know, show the love. A lot of praying to be, you know, that we are close to our children. This is not, no question. All right, so let me tell some of our listeners, the amount of times that your kids would just come to the studio a second, your face lights up, you'll sneak out of the studio and go over to them, give them a hug, see what's going on, how many times you take a call and say, whatever you need, I'll come and get you, I'll drive you anywhere. You put in the effort, you put in the energy, and they know you're there for them at any time. They know let me ask you this way. What number are your kids in your priority of life? Number five, six, number ten? Is business coming first? Does running the whole jrodgeradio.com come first or your children? Where's the priority of your children? I would, I would say number, <coughs> after my wife, number, number two. Exactly. And have they many times called upon you when it was between either the radio or the children, and you picked your children? You know, it's 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 a tough question, but uh, you know, today Baruch Hashem, the kids a little bit. I know that uh, kids didn't, my kids didn't feel it so good, so much, and always wanted to uh, to be more. But they realize what kind of stuff we're doing in the radio, so they give up. Uh, for, they gave their father, and I want to salute them because, really, they they gave a lot of time, and from themselves just to let me be in the radio. Yes. But I have seen at times where you said, sorry guys, family's coming first now, and we worked around other stuff. I have seen you do that. And I could say that they know and they feel it, that family comes first. Baruch Hashem. Okay, Harav Nissim, who do we have next on the line? We have Mrs. Y. Mrs. Y, you're on the air with Mordechai and Harav Nissim. Hello, thank you very much for your show, and thank you, Harav Nissim, for us tonight. Your effort. Hello? Yes, what an honor. Um, you hear me? And thank you. Okay, my question, uh, I guess I'm going to have to make it fast. 
I just bumped into a certain personality type, and it's actually with two people that, for some reason, they could have, they are okay in society, and they could snob at certain people. What I mean with snobbing is when when someone is going to ask them a question, and it also happened to me, they could decide not to, like, they lower their tone and they act a little snobbish. Yes. But, yes. but when they decide to compliment me, they're going to be in control and they're going to be the one, like, more on top of me and compliment me. Yes. So I wonder how, I'm, my reaction was to distance myself. So in order not to be snobbed at, I'm going to distance myself from them. That is definitely one option. We don't have a way to, to manage them or to be safe in their presence, so we run away from them. Mm-hmm. So it is the right way. And it's oh, did I say right? I said what? that is one of the options. Oh, okay. Do you know what's what another is... option? To talk to them directly? Instead of looking at them, looking at yourself. How do you feel when someone snobs you? I, I was trying to do that. You have this um, um, thing that you, when someone is, when you can't forgive someone, you have to forgive mm-hmm, yourself. Before. Exactly. Right. So I did that before, but it's still not a nice thing. You know, I was okay with it. Uh, but uh, stop going it to them. Take it to yourself. <laughs> and this is what I do to my clients. For those of you that want to be my clients, recognize, unfortunately, that I'm in your face. What mm-hmm. do you feel when someone snobs you? Worthless. Scum, embarrassed, a failure. Right. What do you feel when they snob It also you? depends on the relationship. I asked, what did you feel when you went over to that, client, to that person and you mm-hmm. said hello and they lowered their tone, they gave you that look that, that you felt? How did you feel? Finish that sentence. You felt? Ignored. What? Ignored. Give me a feeling to ignore. The logic was she ignored you. How did you feel? Um, Not valued. Not valued. Give me the negative word to that. Sort of like worthless? Right. Pain? Hurt? Right. In their eyes. But I knew I have worth. Not in their eyes. In your eyes. Mm -hmm. They triggered in you a feeling of worthlessness. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to validate that those people can do that. Yes, they can. Mm-hmm. But that's when we feel hurt that way. Mm-hmm. But if I wouldn't get hurt, what's the right approach? Like if a person really has a good self-esteem, they, are, they should go between those people and, like, be snobbed at? You want to have an answer to something that you're not even aware of the problem. You're not aware of your issues. You want a solution. If you're not aware of your problem, how can you help? How can you get helped? Mm-hmm. So it's only about me. So I have to... Oh, not it's only about you. It's always only about you. <laughs> I don't like the mm-hmm. word only. I would say it's always 90% about you and 10% about others. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When you get stronger within... When you'll have your friends, when you won't need, then you'll feel comfortable saying hello, and if they don't respond, okay, you go, so this is someone now, they're in one of those moods, you'll be allowed to let others go into their moods. Mm-hmm. So You're I someone that's more friends. aware. You like approaching everyone. You like talking to people, and that's what you try to do when someone goes over to you. You go out of your way to be nice to them. 
But when others mm-hmm. don't do it to you, then you start feeling bad, negative, and you start having all these negative thoughts. And these people even control your mood, that they can ruin an entire day. And that's where your work comes in. Harav Nissan, we're going to take... What? I can ignore it. I can try to... I, it doesn't affect right, my whole so day. Gonna, so I'll tell you what. I've given you the information, and the rest is now a lot of listening to a lot of my programs. Pick any one of them that you would like. The Power of No Codependent, especially is a program I'd recommend that you listen to, and several other ones, How to Make Choices, Letting Go, How to Make Friends. There's a lot of things where you're getting stuck in some issues where you want everyone to be certain type that you would like. They're not. Those snobby-type natures are out there everywhere. Ignoring them is a solution, but it's usually from the lowest levels of solutions. It means you cannot get along. You don't know how to deal with the nature that Hashem has created. One of the solutions is ignoring it, but that's running away from a part that's in all areas in every area of our life. At I'm work supposed and to be family, okay. When school. they snob, I'm supposed to be okay. I'm supposed to reach to that point. I cannot even begin to explain to you where you're supposed to get to. Mm-hmm. All I can tell you is there is a peacefulness within that's our target zone. Harav Nissen, who else do we have much. on the line? Let's go take our last caller for the Mrs. evening. Mrs. R. Mrs. R. On the air with Mordechai. Hello. Thank you so much for your program tonight. Ah, and Rav Nissen, thank you so much. It's, I cannot tell you how many people are listening and be grateful that you're doing this for us tonight. Oh, wow. So, thank you. Let's thank please you. call to Rav Nissen because I couldn't be in person. I had to be in my house in Lakewood, and Rav Nissen and his family really gave up so much time. Great. We've yes. got about three okay. minutes for the question. Let's try okay, to so deal with Okay, so I have it. one short gets... question and then the second one that's a little longer. Quick Let's question. Let's try them both at the same time. To get an eight-year-old evaluated to ADHD, who do I go to? Well, a social worker can do that. A regular LCSW. A regular LCSW is equipped to deal with that. Yeah. Okay. Um, and by the way, I'd like to tell you how much awareness I've learned to get to this point to say that I think I need he needs an evaluation. Sure, please. It's unbelievable the things I hear on your program, and all of a sudden I'm thinking, how do they know? You know, how do they know my kid? <laughs> yeah. So it's un- it's astounding. The second and question I had was... Uh, the thinking about ADHD, and here's going to sound like I'm always hacking medication to take it, try first cutting out sugars. It's, Drop all sugars it's easy in the at home, but out of the house, it's not really controllable. Okay, so maybe try to get sugar-free candy, whatever you can get with him or speak to Well, even just lips. school lunches and snacks that they no, give No, I'm not school. talking about cutting out the wheat and that level, but try all the super snacks. Just stop with that. Stop with the lollies just for a week. You could even ask the teachers, let's say, if they're aware that he's ADHD, tell them, listen, he might be that, but let's just try one week. If you can please keep an eye on the, on the kids that he shouldn't take candies or, or that stuff. It's try really, the you know, stuff. I, I know... I am very aware of the food things, like no coloring, and I don't have the MSGs okay, good. So and you're things aware like that. Sometimes kids see drastic changes, like just before mm-hmm. we completely diagnose, and that's okay. before sometimes you do medication. I usually tell the parents, first try a diet, because there are okay. some kids. Most kids, unfortunately, either are ADHD and they need the medication, but if I still have seen one out of ten, ten percent, it's still one kid that we're able to help without medication. And I'm still a believer, and one kid without is still one kid less on the medication. Yes. Uh-huh. So I just, want, I just want to give that information. If you're going down that line, first let's try the natural stuff as much as possible. 
Okay. Great. Now let's go to your question because it's really too much. Okay. To go. My question is: as as people grow up, their personalities change, right? Yeah. Or I'm not sure what my question is. I've listened to your personality program. Yeah. And my question is: is that when is their when does a person find their real personality? Because as a child, only they know. Okay. <laughs> Which means I was an extremely quiet kid as, a, as, as growing up. I never raised my que- uh, really a question. I never raised my hand. People saw that there's something in me, and they would say, wow, this, but, you know, you've got to come out of your shell. You've got to do this or that, and you've got to believe in yourself. I'm still almost shy and embarrassed to tell people where my dreams are. They used to dream when I was 13, 14 years old that I would get to Mertz Hashem one day. Uh-huh. But the world, or if I would have said it, I'd never dreamed I'd tell it to anyone because people would laugh at me. Okay, so you're saying the, as a person, person changes really when they is, grow up. Yeah, the person could be that the personality years old develops in not, different ways. Say that again. As a person grows up and matures, their personality will know, develop in different ways. Words. Let's stop looking at people at their age. Stop, stop, stop. Those are one of the traps that most of the world does. I'm 50 years old. No, I, wanna, I like meeting the people that are 50 years young that are still saying, I always knew I had this in me and I want to do it and I can break through. Don't worry well, about I don't the really mean the age. I mean as if, a ch- if someone's 12 and they are immature, Yeah. then they're I not really behaving their real cool. personality. Well, maybe or their are personality they? is to be playful. And let's say they're 38 and they still want to be playful. That's their real personality. Either that or they, still, or they were choked all their life. Okay. The person so what happens knows... when somebody makes friends yeah. at different stages in the life? Yeah. Then they discover that a lot or some of those people are unhealthy for them. Yeah. So I've heard you say many, many times we don't have to run away, but I have found that sometimes... It's necessary to let go. Oh, letting go of certain relationships. Away. Hold on, let's clarify. Letting go isn't running away. Running okay. away means I can't face them. When I see them, it triggers me. Letting go is saying I love you, and now it's time for me to move to another place. And when I see you, I can enjoy the couple of minutes, but still know that I will not be speaking to you ten times a day. Now I have other friends. But when you uh-huh. speak to them, there isn't a hate, there isn't anger, there isn't pain, there isn't animosity. Okay. Letting go and running away are two very different. Letting go is a victorious high level madrega to reach to. And, and what would running away running be? Running away is the most animal, animalistic basic survival mode. Meaning avoidance completely. Avoidance. Meaning it's if I know healthy, she'll, there are people she's in a can't certain... Avoid. It's still a solution, but it's on the low level of the scale. Okay, meaning avoidance would be if I know somebody's at a certain place every day, I will avoid that place. That's right. Letting go that means, means that if I know someone's in this, in this place, times a day. That I can see them, say hi, and move on. That's right. And not okay, think and about it is them. sometimes right to let go. Understand, when you avoid someone at a certain corner, you're thinking about them all day. Oh, I've got to go there tomorrow and they're there. Right, Hopefully right. they won't be there tomorrow. You're, you're holding on to them and you're thinking of them every right. single second. You're traumatizing yourself. Okay. Letting go is when you didn't think about them. You see them, hi, how are you, and now I've got to go. Right, I understand that. Okay. Very big difference. Yes, there is a tremendous difference. Yes. Okay. Okay, thank you so much. You're very, very welcome, Harav Nissen. And family, I'd like to thank everyone. Um, 
Yes. Um, I'm just reading over here a message. Okay. Um, well, this is just a Thank you for being on of Nissan. Thank you and your family for giving us the time for coming in person that we can at least that we can have this long amount of time on this evening. And the schar should help you, should help everyone, and may we all merit Hashem only hear Basuras Tavis and Simchus by all of Kal Yisrael and to my wonderful cousin Ephraim for Tzvika and Genendi and Judy Zucker. Mazel Tov, I'm marrying off your second child tonight, Nahara, a month apart. To Ephraim and Eva, Mazel Tov, on getting married tonight, Merit Hashem. We will share at Sheva Bracha Simchus together with all of Kal Yisrael. Amen. And thank you, Rav Nissen, once again and your family for um, having you here. Amen. And I want just to tell our dear listeners, please be careful.